know why this isn't recording. See, little tech things, I'm talking and that wasn't recording. No worries. So um, anyway, so as far as what retained is, you're getting paid by the company upfront. Um, but how that looks, I think a lot of recruiters don't understand if they've never been a retained recruiter. So I can talk about that a little bit, really just to help more women set themselves up that way. Because, you know, for myself, I had to learn that from someone else. I was mentored, like we all are, right? And you really, I learned so well by seeing somebody else doing it. That's why I like these coaching programs where, you know, when you work one-on-one -on -one together, I share my contracts with recruiters. I share the templates. You know what the contract terms are. That's a lot of what it takes to go into becoming retained, right? That's the, the difference. Right. I think a lot of recruiters in their contingent, you get a job, you start working it. It's like, you know, because you have all these, you got to close something, you got to close something, right? So you probably have 10 on your desk. I, I've talked to recruiters at 60 job recs in their desk. How is that even possible? I don't know. I would do maybe 10 at most when I was contingent, but then I would go to like maybe five and then try to close one of those. Um, I think that model is just so broken, especially right now with the way the market is and for both sides. I mean, I know everyone knows about being retained for companies, but now we're discussing getting retained by the candidates. And mm -hmm. I think it's a similar conversation because you understand the mentality of why retained is better for your client, the corporate client, then you can easily understand why retained is better for your candidate client as well, right? So, um, and I guess, you know, the first thing, if you don't believe you're worth it, right, you're not worth being retained, then you're not even going to be able to go ask for it because that's where it starts, right? Like you're going to have to ask for a retainer and it's not easy if you've never asked for a retainer before. And you went through this with just um, some of the, even the career side, starting on the low balling, forget about asking for 10,000, asking for a hundred or a thousand. Right. Like, do you want to speak about your experience a little bit before I go deeper into the retained model about contingent or retained or what your, you know, what your knowledge or thoughts are on it? Well, I mean, with the whole um, just getting started with like workshops and things like that, you know, it was I've actually become a little bit better at like saying, what is my service? What can I provide to you? And I've become more comfortable in saying, well, OK, I've got these three workshops that I do LinkedIn resume, virtual resume or video resume mm -hmm. and then job hunt navigation. You know, a lot of people don't understand what goes into all those different factors. But now I realize, well, I do. You know, and I'm confident now in saying, well, I really know how to get in there and take a look at your resume and understand how to structure it well. And then it's worth that $100 to give to me to help mm -hmm. you with that. Mm -hmm. um, because in the end, you're going to go and put your resume out there into, you know, a job board or something like that. And it's going to get noticed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, LinkedIn, if there's, there's different things that you can just put out there word wise that are going to catch somebody's attention because everything's about keywords. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if you have those things on your LinkedIn profile, that's going to grab some more attention from people who are looking for what you know how to do. And, you know, I was just um, joined this um, video, live video on LinkedIn recently with this woman I told you yeah. about, Rocky Howard. And it was like embracing humility. Mm -hmm. It's um, operating unapologetically and knowing mm -hmm. your worth and knowing yeah. exactly what you're capable of and what you bring to the table. And I think it's taken me you know, 20 years to get to that point to say, you know, I really do know what I'm talking about. I really mm -hmm. do believe in myself and what I'm capable of. And I'm currently not retained as a recruiter right now. I work for a corporation. Mind you, I think it's a really good one to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, so I do get those job details that come to me and I'm working on probably about 
12 positions right now. I just closed nine recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like within a month of just jumping into that and getting to know the hiring managers, you know, being responsive. I think that's one of the key things and why I think a lot of corporations struggle is because there's the, the lack of communication, the lack of follow-up, the lack of responsiveness from the recruiter and the hiring manager. So if you go in you and you can show your worth, yeah. you know, show your experience, you can become retained because you are bringing something to the table to fulfill a need for someone that really has a, has, is having a hard time filling their roles. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yep. They so you get to become more confident in asking for, you know, a larger sum of money, which is the hardest part. Right, exactly. It's kind of asked for it. And to your point, I mean, you may have not been like doing the retained recruitment so much. And when you work for companies, you're getting paid. So they, they are doing that, right? They're the retainers. But um, right. but you have become a retained career coach, which is nice. So it kind of gets your right. feet wet. And I do think that's why I also love the career coaching because it, it can help a lot of recruiters like yourself understand the concept of retained. And that way you find yourself out of a job ever on your own you know how to go get a client, even if it's starting with like, you don't want to throw on a $100 <laughs> workshop to do a resume or a hunt. And then I'll up that to a few hundred. But then from that, you can learn to ask then for, as you add value, what that brings to the thousands more, right? Because when you're retaining on, most recruiters probably watching this are more, we're talking about retaining corporations versus the candidates, right? But when you're retaining a company, you really switch from being this recruiter with all these things on your desk to, you know, only having a few jobs, maybe even one, because that's your sole focus, right? And the right. companies that are used to using retained uh, recruiters, they know that, right? And they, they're willing to pay, especially with your background. But there's a lot of an education that needs to be done, not only with educating recruiters to what being retained is and why it's important to do that, especially, again, you find yourself alone out of a job, no one, no support. Like, what do you do? As you're looking for a job, you could be retaining some clients, right? And then you might never go back to corporate. But until you start exercising that muscle, even know that it exists and people are making plenty of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, recruiting companies making millions, obviously. But as a work from home mom, even, you can make hundreds of thousands retainer and work a whole lot less than when you're contingent because you're gonna have less jobs in your desk. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship, right? So that's the reason why I think a lot of recruiters need to even at least start thinking about the retained model. I mean, there's not a lot, I think, talked about it. Um, you know, I saw recently on LinkedIn, there was someone from the UK, a woman that was putting out uh, retraining recruiters who are retained. And I was reading the comments. And somebody, oh, you, did you see that? Yeah. And some of the US recruiters were like, ah, the US market's not ready for that. I'm like, recruiters must not know there's a whole level of us recruiters out here that are retained recruiters making great money that, you know, did a whole career that way. I mean, it took me 10 years to get that way. The first 10 years about, I was, I mean, I think it was five or 10, but it, definitely after the 10, it was full on retained. And I started small 10K retainers for sales reps, right? And then we talked about before, then that grew to asking up to 15K, then 30K, right? And then you got higher like that, you weren't getting it all up front. You start splitting it in the contract terms. And I think that's what recruiters mm -hmm. understand the terms you're offering. So right. if you hear there's a retained recruiter that's getting $100,000, they're not getting that 100K up front, or they're not getting that 60K you know, up front. It's getting split 20K to start, 20 in the middle, 20 to back end, right? That's how the terms are. And I share my contract templates with recruiters. Um, and where I, the way that I'm training recruits now they're coming to me isn't even learning the contingent model. They're going right at nurses or people that ever even heard of recruiting are starting 
the retained model because there is no need to work for free, right? There's a, there's right. not. Now, again, if you're already a recruiter, like, like yourself, so many others are very successful. You've been hitting, you know, you're at the six-figure level. You're, you can do your own thing. Plus you have company. It's all where you are. So I don't want to like make any recruiters that aren't doing that feel like that's not valuable because there's a lot of companies that just maybe won't go that way. And you're doing a huge service also, right? So that's important right. to say. But for the women that want that or are in a position where they have no choice, where, you know, there's not a job, it's so important for them to know that you can get retainers. Many of us are, we do, and it ranges. And then just how to go about that, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, that's for myself. It's like, I, I really had to go through the last 20 years of my recruiting experience to learn in different avenues of recruiting, in different industries of recruiting, different companies and how they work. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was one of the things I shared recently was just like how you helped me to understand business structure so that when I'm in those businesses and I'm working as I started in, you know, staffing and RPO and MSP and then doing like strategic accounts and then going to, you know, government to back to RPO again right now. It's like right now what I'm doing is like I can do this retain, but I feel like I am doing a service for this organization. I'm doing a service for the client that we have currently because they've had a talent acquisition team, um, which have you know, majority of them have done a really good job, but they've been doing it for so long the same way that they're missing pieces of it. The hiring managers are taking the bulk of the responsibility and reviewing their own applicants, scheduling their own interviews. And then, you know, they're, they're doing eight to 10 interviews with candidates to narrow down to one. And I'm like, gosh, there is such a better way to do this. And not saying that your way is completely wrong, mm -hmm. but I can help you with this because you don't need to spend all of your time on the phone with a candidate. I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to take those 10 candidates. I'm going to sit down with each of them. I'm going to narrow it down to three to five, maybe send mm -hmm. them over to you, get you scheduled. You're going to have, you know, five interviews in one day and be able to make a decision. It's not going to be drawn out for the next six weeks. You know, mm -hmm. time to fill should be 17 to 25 days at best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and it's funny when you mentioned the RPO that you're, I know working with the RPO right now, I know early in my career, I didn't know what that was. I later went to work, I took one on as a client actually, which I can't remember what the term, the RPO, what's the, uh, you remember what the acronym stands for? Yeah, it's recruitment process outsourcing. There you go. I worked for a company called ORS, which is like outsource recruiting I forget, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, no, I know. Worst partners. Yep, yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. So now even with those, if, you know, of course we work with them there, of course, like any recruiting business, they're getting retainers that they're getting clients. That's a big difference. So even as recruiters, like you said, you don't always know the business structure. You're just doing what you learned. Right. But if you learn, as soon as you can find a client and get anyone to pay you a retainer, you know how to ask and receive that because you now, you know, through and through and you can get the job done. And that's just what the years takes of being a recruiter, knowing you can do it. And then asking for it, then you can even go to an RPO, like I had an RPO or it was a client, right? Because they had plenty of recruiters, but they needed help getting more companies to come in, you know, and then also on the right. closing side of it sometimes as far as closing the contract, not the job, but just getting the contracts in, right? So to your point, sometimes you're in a role as a recruiter, you don't realize there's this whole other side, kind of biz dev, the sales side, but which recruiters are so good at. Like, you know, you're a born salesperson anyway, any I think recruiters are. And it's just exercising that muscle, knowing how to go out and get the clients. And you've done that, Melissa. And I think there's so many other recruiters that maybe put their toes in a little bit, but then it's 
it's hard, right? Like it's not something, and it's really hard. It's almost like, it's hard to go fishing for yourself if someone's giving you fish, right. <laughs> you know, it's like you had a paycheck coming in. So I think that's why I'm almost not, I want to say excited for people, but when um, recruiters don't have a job and they reach out to me, I'm like, all right, here's going to be a bit of a turning point because you're going to have to make something happen. I mean, yourself, I don't care, remember within 30 days, you had a $3,000 client, right? Because you had to. And then other stuff came as yep. great. So you really learn as a woman when your back is to the, you know, the wall, so to speak, you can make things sure. and see what you can do, you know, which is cool, I think. And then you can tap upon that at any time. Like, I think stages of life when you're raising kids and, you know, you need insurance and you might not want to take on the business and pay. Well, there's a lot that comes with being an entrepreneur, um, but there's still value in just retaining, getting retained clients. Because even though you're in business, you become way more valuable to any recruiting firm that wants to hire. You can go out and get a job anytime you want. Right. And so because right. they, they know you had a business develop, you know how to get clients, you're client facing. So anyway, I just make sure recruiters understand this because like you, like, you know, sometimes and I remember this too, when I was working at desk, you're head down, you know, knee deep in candidates, you're interviewing all day. You know, it's like, yeah. so you really can't see above, like, well, where, is there a better way? Is there another level for me? Like, what would that look like? And how hard would that be? And, you know, so if this, if a call, like say, well, we can keep this one short, um, just talking about retain. If this just gets into another woman's ear, recruiter out there, that's, at a contingent desk, you know, working so hard, not even hitting six figures, but constantly working all day long, right? Every day that there is a better way to go get retained clients, work a lot less, and they'll just be your clients. Um, and I don't want to go, you know, too deep. I feel like that maybe the next session should be speaking about how to help recruiters explain the value of that to the client as well. Because, yeah. Right. So it's one thing you now I feel like if we're convincing recruiters that this is the path for them and like, okay, you know, we're sold, you know, that's the way I should maybe work that more. Then it's like, okay, if I, like, how do I go on a call now? I have my assessment call with my client. How am I going to talk about why would they want to retain me when there's a hundred recruiters that will do it for free, right? And that's like, and then what you do, well, yeah, there's a hundred recruiters doing it for free, but you know, that this is why the value that I offer, this is what I do. And you really learn to become that advisor hat and you start asking them questions all the other hundred recruiters aren't asking, right? Because right. most recruiters, they take that job and they're, they're running with it, right? They don't say, whoa, 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 I need another call step to give a better assessment so I can really help serve you because this won't take, to your point, Melissa, 40 days. We'll, I'll find someone in two weeks. And if you can hire them in two weeks, we've done a month, right? Like, right. you know, even with executive, there were executive search. That's not with one of these people back in the day too, thinking it took a year to do an executive search. No, it doesn't. I find the executive in two weeks. And if you can hire them in two weeks, now with executives, it's negotiation can go three months, right? So that's what takes right. the time. But we found them fast. We got them on board fast. They're interviewing. And I think if people understand that happens with a trust partnership, a retainer, where you're the only one working in, I'm not waking up in the morning, coming to my desk, afraid there are 10 people to beat me to the punch. I know there's a partnership. This person hired me, believed in me to get the job done. And they're leaving me alone to do it. You know, in two weeks, you know, so I think it's all of those conversations, helping recruiters learn, like you said, your, you know, it's a word for like your value, right? And then give that, let them, even for the client, you're saving them time if they don't understand either. Because and money. Uh, and money, right? Like, do you want to talk to 10 recruiters about this job or just me and I'll get it done for you? Right. Like, let's, you know, look at the testimonials, look at my proof in the pudding, you know? So yeah, I think right now, I just want like every recruiter to try the retained model. <laughs> Yeah. Just in your spare time, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's, uh, it's all about the partnership because, you know, with the clients that we have right now that we're working with one-on-one, -on -one, and mind you, this is from the candidate perspective, it's mm -hmm. all about that. It's, it's just about that person. 
it's just about really getting to know them, understanding what work, what works for them and what doesn't, you know, the good, bad, and ugly of who they are. So we can bring out all the good and help Mm -hmm. them. Um, It's, and then that's what it's with the, for the client too, like the actual company, Um, Mm -hmm. you become that one person, you have your eyes set directly on them. You are getting to know them and understanding them because going back to when I was doing the RPO, um, for another organization, I did, I had a hundred open positions and they were for, it was like whatever we could get. So I was like, I don't know which ones of these I'm going to be able to close, but I'll try. But I was mm-hmm. up against hundred other recruiters, you know, cause they've got their tier list of recruiters that they give mm-hmm. their workout to. So it was like Santa Fe Aventus. Yeah. Um, and I said, Hey, I don't know if it's possible or not, but I'd really like to be able to talk to the hiring manager because it's going to give me a totally different view. Mm-hmm. And we finally got one. We had had the hiring manager come on the call. All it was was just listening to their tone, to their underlying messages, mm-hmm. being able to ask some pointed, more pointed questions. And I remember it was like a learning development instruction, instructional position. It was something new, mm-hmm. not really one that I ever worked on before. But I remember I filled that position after I had that call with that hiring manager because you hear something. Yeah, it's just so different. It's like if you go contingent, um, you're you're probably working on multiple positions mm-hmm. and you're just trying to fill the one that you can get the fastest yep. and you're up against other people who are also working the same requisition. So you're, there's so much more competition. So mm-hmm. I had completely I mean, I think I'm at a point now where I'm on that wave of all right, I'm, I like what I'm doing with the whole RPO piece of it because mm-hmm. I'm truly being a partner. I'm just yep. here to to help and, you know, understand your environment. I mean, what we're working on, I mean, you're, they're cleaning water and, bring, mm-hmm. and bringing goodness to the environment. I can get on board with that. <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, I'm, I'm going in and having these hiring manager conversations and I'm really getting to know who they are. I mean, just last week I was talking to a hiring manager and I learned about the fact that he is a horse farm and he um, brings in Foster's dogs. And sometimes it's even just those little pieces of information because then when you are going out to look for the right candidate, you're also aligning them to kind of fit into the culture values of that hiring manager too because that's what's going to make that partnership even better and that person they finally select ends up being a lot long longer term oh for sure and what you said those little nuances are key right like said and if you don't talk to hiring manager like you said you never hear those things you don't learn them i mean the best you can do is look their linkedin try to find a college graduate their college for some kind of commonality which you know i mean but yeah those in-persons are everything and then that relationship is there and I was telling, you know, a recruiter student today, I'm like, you know, all you need is one because back when I got a retainer, you know, it was one company. They took me on retainer. I started so, so it was like a thousand bucks. Then you could 10,000, 13, it was still salespeople back then. But then they were my bread and butter for years. They then sent me to other managers within the company. So from one client, I went to 10 clients within the same company because they were referring me to HR was working. So all you need is really one great company that's going to believe in you as an independent recruiter. If they know you're independent or know how to be independent, 1099. I know people don't always know that's when on the taxes, you're an independent contractor. So I remember that was new for people. Um, I posted something like, what's 1099? But that's that's where you can then have your own money coming in from these companies. Um, and yeah, that's all it takes. And then it's kind of like once you're bit by that, you know, because then you just want to see what else is possible and you can keep growing and growing to wherever you want to go. So but um, but that's good. I think those are really good details. I think it's a good overview. Because we haven't really, since we've been doing these 
have dived in at all to what is routine and why it's good, not for both right. sides. That's the thing, not just for you, the recruiter. Yeah, we want to make revenue faster and more revenue. I'm all about revenue generation. But at the same time, it's better for the client. That's the whole thing. So, and better right. for the candidate. So, I think we got that, I hope, across. And um, we'll talk more about that in future episodes. And anyone that's watching this, we'll have to later, or I know we'll do the replays since they're working as well. But post any questions about this that you have or want answered. Again, if you need help with like templates and things, that's the big hard part, mm -hmm. or the assessment questions. There's so much to learn about that. This is the step one, knowing it's out there and it's possible. And then about how you get those clients and how you go take them down a path. And, and we can cover all that. We've been there, been there, kind of done that. So we can help you all. But so, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, I'll just say, um, you know, it's it's one of the things that you have to do is take an investment in yourself. So even if you think that it's possible, if you just think it's possible, mm -hmm. get on a clarity call with you or I and yep. see where it goes from there. And it, it can be broken down. You know, it doesn't have to be one lump sum of mm -hmm. service fee that we are asking you for, but it can be broken out so that we can help you along the way. So maybe it's just a quick pop here and we're talking about um, the, the paperwork. What goes into that? That's $100, $150, you know, whatever it might be. We'll sit down for an hour with you, talk through that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it can be broken up. You know, we want to be able to show the value of what we know, what you know, what you've mm -hmm. taught me. Mm -hmm. um, so it does take a little bit of an investment in yourself. And that's the most you've got to, I mean, because you're worth it. And you are worth it. And it's such a great point because if you're not going to invest in yourself, how the hell are you going to go out to the corporate world or Canada and ask for an investment in you? So, right. Correct. And so I often tell people too, when you're looking to invest in yourself, like, oh, can I invest a hundred bucks? Well, if you can't, I mean, can you ask for a hundred bucks? And then, okay, what if you want to retain, you know, a 5,000 painter? Are you want to invest five thousand yourself or two thousand, three thousand? Because you better be if you're going to go ask for two or three thousand or five thousand. So I've learned that kind of that whole give and get. There's there's something to that where things open up when you when you take that first step and put it out in yourself. You're exactly right, and then you're like, oh, okay. It's like then it almost happens immediately, you know. So no, but great points. I always put this talk and so important. You're like, okay, where do people go for information? So yeah, you know where to find Melissa and I um, on Facebook and we're on Facebook right now and LinkedIn, of course. So you can just DM, messaging us is the easiest way, right? So yep. try to get back to that and see where you need help. And just don't be afraid to raise your hand. It's the first thing. And then we take it from there for you. You have the support. So, all right, girls, great seeing you. I'll talk yes, to you, you soon. too. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.